0: Welcome to the Chatterbox Podcast, where two dudes attempt a coherent conversation, all the while trying their best not to use AI as a crutch, and fail miserably.
1: we're going to be in this Airbnb for like five days. And then, you know, eventually move in. Everything I own is like in a minivan right now. And going into this weekend, I was like, okay, I'm going to grind uh, like 10 hours a day. And then, you know, my cousin's graduation thing comes up. I I had already committed that, hey, I'm going to go to this, which was in uh, downtown Austin. And when like, even though the event was only like two hours, I basically felt like that creative morning energy was like down. And then, you know, I got like, we, we had a conversation and we were talking about like, you know, what we were going to do about uh return of flying stuff. But then uh, Sunday came around and then I have this, a reminder set in Alexa, which every third Sunday, it tells me that, oh it's a fasting day or whatever. So, like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna fast today and then like at 12 i basically like go okay well like like my my energy and my ability to work is is not nearly the same as um you know as i've had my breakfast and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. So i was thinking about the trade-off between like given for people that want to start their own thing and um, while having a full time job, like the trade offs and the sacrifices that actually come with that. And um uh, I think today was like the first time that I was asking myself, well, are, are the benefits of fasting worth the five, six hours of work that I otherwise would be able to do? Um so that was interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I that's definitely something that I think about too. Um, whenever uh, I'm faced with the decision of whether too fast or not fast. Um, it's like mm-hmm. I've noticed my productivity just like plummet. Uh, if I'm feeling hungry, because like when you're hungry, it's so hard to like focus. Um, mm-hmm. but the other side of that is like sometimes like if I'll have like, uh, final exams or some sort of period of my life coming up where I have to focus quite a bit. Um, one thing I've done with the past is just like mm-hmm. eaten very less like uh you know, just have like a bagel and uh and some coffee and then work mm-hmm. mostly on an empty stomach. And it's so weird thing. Like sometimes that hunger kinda helps me focus and puts my focus into like overdrive mode. And then sometimes, um, you know, when you're fasting, uh, especially when you've had like absolutely nothing, um mm-hmm. yeah, it can like really take away from your productivity. Um so there's definitely the trade offs there. So, but I'm guessing you made the decision to fast. So why, why did you go in that direction?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, so I actually had some red meat the day before. So I was like, okay, it's definitely, and I had skipped a fasting day um, previously because like, you know, we were traveling, we were in Costa Rica and stuff. So that we just forgot about. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know. I I feel like every month, I would say every fifth week or so, if I don't fast, I can definitely feel like, okay, like I need to give my system a little bit of a room and I can totally relate to your experience about like productivity gaining or creativity, like being a little bit better if you, if you're on an yeah. empty stomach, I've definitely had yeah. similar experiences. Um, But as far yeah. as like, um, but as far as like like when you don't eat anything, like I, I yeah, I I just feel like because like after the day the day after a fast, um the benefits of it have been pretty apparent. Um mm-hmm. uh, because like I like on the coming Monday I'm like way more I'm like ready to go, you know, I'm not like tired anymore. Um and it does feel like a breath of fresh air. Uh, like after I've gone through that process, but that but that trade-off of like losing those productivity gains, that's because it's like you only have you only have two weekends, right? Or, or not two weekends, two days in a weekend, and you only get four of those a, a month. And if you have a full-time job, you know those are really that's like invaluable time um, for your side hustle and stuff. So.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And so, you know what what time did you break your fast? Like, how does your fast normally work? Do you eat, like, a breakfast, or do you wake up and you eat nothing and then you break it in the evening? How do you, how do you rate yeah, it? So I,
1: I usually do a, I usually do, like, a 24-hour fast. So, usually the day before, we, we usually decide, like, maybe, I mean, me and Kayla, but, you know, sometimes it is just me. We basically decide that, okay, like, tomorrow we're going to fast, um, and then, um, like we usually eat dinner at five, and so from five p.m. till five p.m. the next day, you know, it's a it's a twenty four hour um, fast. Um although I I drink water, you know, um, it's just uh, no food fast um, and no caffeine either. So that's actually a, a time for me to like say no to caffeine and also like not drink any coffee for that for mm-hmm. that morning. Right. But I can immediately feel uh, the morning morning uh withdrawal effect or, or you know to to some extent some withdrawal effects um and then i'll uh you know at 5 p.m we usually break in we try to eat something healthier uh right. like sushi salad that kind of stuff so today we went to whole foods and just tilt uh, on the on the deck
0: mm-hmm. wow wow
1: pretty cool
0: what, yeah, is your, yeah.
1: what is your what is quick? because you said you 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 fast sometimes too was that just during ramadan or do you
0: usually do it yeah i mean sometimes i'll fast during ramadan uh maybe a couple days uh out of the month Mm -hmm. um what was that in the background you got a little bit of alexa going on
1: yeah dude fuck um so (laughs) there was a there was a reminder that was going off Mm-hmm. For me to change my pillow covers because it is Sunday, Sunday 7 p.m. Because if I don't do that, I get acne on the side of my face.
0: Oh wow, wow! So you you wash your pillow covers like every week?
1: Yeah, I try to. Or well, I need to change them, and then I'll I'll I have enough pillow covers for me to not wash them for like mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, right. So I have like a two week two week gap. Yeah, my bad. I, I didn't didn't mean to cut your train of, train of thought.
0: Oh no 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 worries. I wasn't saying anything too substantive. Uh, but yeah no. When I'm fasting, uh, yeah it's it's the normal um uh, Muslim style of fast. Although I don't really do it too much. Uh, probably not much outside of uh, Ramadan. Um, so yeah. I mean sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, you know, early and uh, have a little bit of food. Most of the times no, because you not know, busy and uh you know life happens um and then yeah you break mm-hmm. in the evening um one interesting experience I had this term uh that I experimented with was um uh I was on campus during our Ramadan mm-hmm. uh because I was working uh in my city in the city of Waterloo uh, but my apartment is pretty close to campus so when I one day when I had come back from work uh I was just chilling uh in the library and um the Muslim Student Association, so you know, not necessarily anything that has to do with uh, our particular denomination of Islam, but uh, just the general, you know, University Muslim Student Association. Uh, they were hosting like, um, like uh, uh, I guess it's, I guess you would call it a breakfast, but um, because you know it was a, it was a bit of a dinner uh, for those who wanted to break their fast that day. I believe it was on a Friday mm-hmm. night, so that was relevant. Uh, but that was definitely an interesting experience. I've never, um, I've never actually prayed or, uh, you know, participated in any of the, uh, Muslim traditions outside of our, uh, mosques that are from our particular denomination. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of interesting. Um, there is, especially on my school, interestingly, a very large, uh, Middle Eastern and Muslim community. So for example, like mm-hmm. there will be like master's students that will have like, you know, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim um on their doors, uh and then you'll you'll go into the doors and they'll like, you know, be doing a research paper in like artificial intelligence or something like that. Um, but for whatever reason there's a large population. And then I also have like quite a few Middle Eastern professors. Um so there's definitely a lot of like, you know, Arabic speaking uh Middle Easterners that were a part of the Muslim Student Association. Um but definitely a lot of Pakistanis and Indians as well. Um uh that were there and so it was kind of interesting you know to uh kind of socialize with that group of people and see kind of you know what does that whole uh festivities look like on their end um there is i believe a prayer room that's quite large um and i believe in the third floor of our student life center and so uh that usually during ramadan gets uh uh i guess renovated or redecorated uh the uh needs of the muslim uh, community over here so that was interesting i only really went there once uh but it was kind of cool to see how the other side lives um but yeah that's that's mm-hmm. my limited experience with fasting i don't really do it too much oh okay okay
1: cool cool nice what was what was different about it did I actually um did i since you you never asked me, i wanted to tell you a little bit about my uh the the costa rica insurance so i, I had a oh, sure. recent burst of inspiration right um
0: so you do, do you often get bursts of inspiration
1: <laughs> sometimes sometimes but this time this time it was like really different because okay um, yeah, usually sometimes we've gone like, uh, you know, we've been to Mexico before. We've gone to, mm-hmm. um, uh, I've gone to Colombia before. I've gone to Peru before and every time I've gone, right. So immediately something was different. You often get solicited like a lot, right. Mm-hmm. You get solicited as soon as you hit the airport and like everyone's like either trying to sell you on a taxi or a bus or, or something along those lines, um, almost immediately after you hit. Um, but this time around we had it was through and almost no solicitation now, granted, I never exited the airport because got a rental car, but even after we exited the airport, I think we went to a different door or a different like a non public exit, but it was very, very like people there were so not only just used to tourists because it's a country where like I think like a million people visit every year and immediately like no one's no one's like you know like trying to grab your attention for too long they're just kind of like even the sales people not so aggressive at all they're just kind of hanging back letting you letting you come to them and like ask your questions which is like i've never experienced that in like central america before um but basically the burst of uh, inspiration came um so basically we did this uh we did this in our itinerary. Uh, I, I don't know how to say it. I, I ten,
0: itinerary.
1: itinerary. Itinerary. There you go. There you go. Uh, so In the itinerary, uh, there was, um, we, uh, you know, the first day we went to like some of these tourist spots, we got a rental car and we started like driving on the, on the hills. Right. And mm-hmm. um, so like that way we got to see a lot of like how the locals live and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, basically like there is a term that people use here all the time called pura vida which is basically like another another term for simple life or no worries or is this a lifestyle word that people throw around it's something like local sale all the time right
0: and sorry is the term um pura vida
1: pura vida yeah
0: pura that's that's like pure Um, life
1: Pure life. just yeah. That's but, yeah. but people use it in like all the terms, right? People use mm-hmm. it um for no worries, people use it for, you know, I forgive you, what's up. It's like a greeting lifestyle word that people talk about. Oh around okay. To.
0: All right. Um,
1: yeah. and um man, it was it was amazing, bro. Mm-hmm. Like the nature there, the rainforest there and watching the way people live there, especially the locals, because it wasn't like it wasn't like people there were suffering their poverty. It wasn't like they weren't, I, I would say it didn't even feel like a second world country in many ways, because like they're economically speaking, at least like they're, the country thrives off of like tourism and, you know, coffee and chocolate and all of that kind of stuff. But when you look at the way they live, there was something about the simplicity um in their lifestyle and also like especially their houses right so when when you look at like an average like living area right like like someone in the middle class like how they would live it was just a metal red roof right but it had hot water it wasn't centralized ac Mm -hmm. but you know uh, it was temperature you good temperature inside um Mm -hmm. you had electricity basically the whole country's the, it's like ninety eight percent renewable um energy from their solar grid right um and it really got me thinking like why the fuck do we need so much um, access in in the u s right because like there's like four houses, most not four houses, four rooms in any given houses, three or four rooms in any given houses, most of them are empty, we're never using it there's so much more space in our our houses that make it so much more expensive because it's like an average home is 300k you're putting down uh i don't know 60k or something and um it's like so much in interest so much uh so much work you're doing you don't care about to like go and like live in a place that that you know isn't even being utilized centralized ac waste of like energy and access codes and big big closets all of that so i was like Mm -hmm. you know uh maybe it makes sense to cut down on like or not cut down but rethink where i I would even want to live like you know i'm rethinking whether like buying a house in austin is even worthwhile anymore
0: hey what about like the elon musk like tiny house that's shaped like a cardboard box
1: the boxable, right? Yeah. have you yeah. have you ever like seen a video for of that?
0: I haven't really seen too much about that. Why are you saying that those are uh somewhat infeasible?
1: No. So they cost like fifty grand, right? Um, right. They have all the amenities that like you would in a house for the most part. Mhm. Um, and then the idea is like you can like stack them um it has i mean here here's my thing with tiny homes right like when i looked at it Mm -hmm. it's like it they usually cost 40 grand to 50 grand to buy one if you build your own you can probably get away 30 35 grand us dollars and then it's like at that point you would have to go and buy land right to put that house in which would probably cost another 10 20 grand or something like that if it is costing 10 or 20 grand, it's likely not in a city area, probably not even suburbs, but probably like, you know, 60 miles from a major city. Um, And on top of, because that's, if you, if you sum all that up, that's essentially like 60, 70 grand just on that alone. Right. And, And then you would have to, you, you would have to like probably do some kind of uh labor work to like connect it to like a water connection and electricity and all that unless you you know just the solar power and that's essentially like a down payment for a house right um Mm -hmm. so at least for me the way i think about buying my first house is like i would buy a house live in one room and airbnb the rooms um so with that approach that's what like turns me off about like buying a tiny home in the us because like it's it's so equivalent. It's basically equivalent to a down payment.
0: I see. I see. Well, you know, I mean, back to your to your big insights. So, so you feel like, in some real sense, uh, the amount of like space that we demand as as first world citizens and amenities and stuff like that, uh, that we re- that we I guess convince ourselves that we need to survive. Um, you know, the, the big flat screen TVs and the newest game consoles and, uh, all the other, even, you know, just the living space that we demand. Um, in your, in your estimation, like that seems to be, uh, for, in, in large part excess. So that's superfluous that, um, we should learn, I guess, more so to learn how to be content with the bare minimum. Is, is that kind of where you were going with that?
1: Well, not even not even content, right? It's like it's like so much unutilized. It's like you have it, but you're not even using it for the right. most part. And and it's and like one in four, at least in the US, like one in four houses are mortgage, right? So it's like the the American dream. You
0: don't
1: yeah. even own it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you don't even own it, and then it's just like. <laughs> Is it so much more expensive, and like yeah. that's almost like lowering your quality of life as opposed to like you can probably build the same house right mm-hmm. and um like it was just different man, like just the way they had architected it um like they 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 put the you know uh twenty percent of effort to like get a shelter, get the water running, have the electricity and, like, got their 80%, kind like got the 80% of the benefits. Um,
0: right. Right. Yeah, it seems so much more efficient uh, in that sense. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, Price's Law, right? That, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this obviously relates more to uh, businesses and organizations, but the larger an organization is, um, the less efficient it becomes. So in this sense, you know, mm-hmm. the more, I guess, living space you uh, you ask for, the more room uh, the, uh, the less, I guess, marginal utility you are obtaining from that, from those amenities that you're asking for. Um, especially considering, you know, what you said before about, uh, not even really owning the home that you're barely using. Um, mm-hmm. and then working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week just to pay it off. So you're not even spending mm-hmm. most of your time in that home. Yeah. And then you right. stack all that up and it compounds into a whole lot of inefficiency in that sense. And, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about more and more, especially as of late, is like in that process, we tend to work so hard and we tend to, you know, work our fingers to the bone. We tend to be exhausted all the time. And it's like, is all that even worth it if kind of like Mm -hmm. what you're saying, you can already get 80 percent of all of your, you know, uh, basic needs met, I guess, uh, in that more uh, lower cost efficient way of living and then you free up Mm -hmm. your other time uh to you know spend time with your family or spend time in nature or actually appreciate nature you know um yeah yeah that's definitely very true that's definitely very true and so what what was it exactly during like was there any uh for example um experience that you had in costa rica that really instigated that insight for you or was it just something you naturally kind of came to having observed everything that was going
1: on yeah man so there was this um there there was a pacific well it was just like a lot of it was just watching the way locals live um but also like two of the nights um we basically got an airbnb it was like a cabin they called it a woodhouse in a local town so like just outside of one of the cloud forests in um costa rica The town i forgot the name of it it was like uh, 60 miles south of the um of the of the famous cloud forest there and um they essentially had this airbnb uh have you ever seen those tiktoks where like they they have these domes these camping domes uh in the in the middle of nowhere and then they have like all the amenities inside Uh, i think they call it glamping
0: i don't know if you ever heard of that I've definitely never heard of that. I actually don't consume any TikToks. Um but that definitely uh, sounds very cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so this area or this hotel had two of those glamping domes and it was and literally and then also had like these woodhouses or a cabin which uh, which uh, me and Kayla had. So like right when you go outside there was this per the paranormal view, right, of like the mountains and the trees and the birds and all of that in high elevation. I think I showed you a view. I, I called you before before yeah, episode you when did. We attempted to attempted to uh, record episode three. And um yeah, I think when I was spending time inside that cabin and when I specifically right. saw the owner, so this whole hostel, um hotel type setup was run by a family and I was just seeing like the mother just like wake up every day, like happy, like basically waking up in paradise, right? Like making breakfast for her guests, and just running, and like all she was doing was like taking care of the guests, cleaning the rooms, and um you know it was like a family owned that had kids, and and they were living on the property too, and uh I was like, yeah, you know, like that that sounded really amazing at that at that moment. Um, So I think that's where some of the inspiration came from and also just looking at the local architecture because, like, honestly, I think we can get 80% of all the things that you need to be comfortable with, like, 20% of the cost. Like, I think, like, if it's a 300K home, you can probably just put down, like, d k or 80k of that home and build all the things you need to live comfortably. And then you know people know that too, right? Like you could, right? Like just finding places outside of Austin, Texas, where like prices for a really nice home, like basically a four bedroom home, are like 150. Okay. Um, it's just the land and the appreciation of property where people buy houses in those areas. Um, and I don't know, part of me was going like, is that, is that appreciation of the value property value even worth it? Because like, it's all on paper, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And know. like, you know, right, right. And then like, you know, to talk about it from a bit of a Canadian perspective, um, when you look mm-hmm. at like, especially, I mean, this obviously relates to any kind of big metropolitan city, but, uh, to mm-hmm. Toronto, for example, uh, you have, <laughs> Kind of like the, uh, uh, gross exaggeration of, of the point you were bringing up before where you've got like these, you know, three bedroom townhouses, two story townhouses, uh, that are like going for a million dollars a house, right? Sometimes much more. Um, and it's like, if you're thinking about taking out a mortgage and something like that, just so that you can live in downtown Toronto, just so that you can live in, um, you know, a high, uh, a high volume, high traffic type of area. Um, yeah, I mean, you're gonna end up working almost 90% of your time just to pay that off when you might not even really be using it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, then you have that whole other side of the spectrum where it's like, it gets, it gets quite inefficient actually. Um, that whole appreciation of asset. I mean, like, I'm sure there is a lot of validity in people putting their retirement savings into that sort of thing um and you know planning for the future uh but when it Mm -hmm. comes to like you know actually living your life day to day i mean you're totally right Mm -hmm. like if you're gonna pay a million dollars for a house and never live in it you know is it what's the what's the point
1: yeah especially like garages i was thinking about garages too it's like why is it that like the biggest space the biggest Mm -hmm. space of the house is for your car uh and with remote work now like you don't even drive to work because so, like do you even need a garden? now nah, you know it's like oh yeah and like that's basically like the biggest biggest section of uh of uh of, of your entire space and like just with the garage alone there's so many other things you can do and then also the backyard right like yeah it's right. super nice to have but it's like does everyone need like a super huge backyard but i think a part of right. it is like economy of to scale too, right? It's like Mm-hmm. Um, since everyone is doing it neighborhood after neighborhood it kind of turns into a whole different it's, it turns into an industry of its own and then you have specialized labor and regulated laws around this this stuff and you know banks are going to hand out, <laughs> hand out mm-hmm. these lines of credit like it's uh, you know hotcakes so um, yeah.
0: yeah no absolutely and it's like you already know that like we're headed in this direction of like very little use of our living space. When you actually ask people like how many people actually know their neighbors, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like actually socialize Mm -hmm. with them, actually go to barbecues or whatever it is uh, that they do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most people might know their neighbors. They might say hi, you know, here and there. But uh, Mm -hmm. in general, I mean, I think the fact that most people don't even really talk to their neighbors, don't even really spend time with their neighbors, or maybe they're even just too busy to do that kind of shows what you're, what you're saying. Cause I think a lot of the value that you get from moving into a neighborhood, you know, versus mm-hmm. living in a Elon Musk tiny box uh, is that, um, you know, you get to live in a neighborhood, you get to have neighbors, mm-hmm. you get to, you know, ask them for sugar or milk when you run out. And it's like, if we if we aren't even willing to do that anymore, right? If we're too socially awkward to start those conversations, then what's the point of paying off those mortgages, right? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's maybe a, a very uh, millennial line of thought. I was also kind of laughing a little bit when you said um, that it's nice to go somewhere where people aren't selling you something all the time. I felt like that was like a very American uh, perspective that you were coming in with. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's no selling. You just like living
0: within as aggressive. Right, um, right. I and, mean, I, I think it does speak to the to the hospitality, though. Like, when you're talking about living in, in a sort of Airbnb that's, like, family-run like that, and then, mm-hmm. you know, so efficiently and economically maintained, um, yeah, you know, there's definitely a sense of homeliness that comes from that uh, that I don't think you can buy, you know
1: yeah for sure for sure
0: um that was your that was your trip to costa rica how long did you spend in costa rica uh like five days five days okay okay very cool very cool and so you stayed at this airbnb for five days
1: just two days and then we were we also went to the national parks the hot springs like that was that was super nice
0: so the hot um, springs, so there's like natural like public like is it like you can bathe in the hot spring?
1: Yeah. I mean there is like resort that costs like six hundred bucks to stay mm-hmm. into, but right outside of it there's like a there's like a free version of it that people go to and, and relax there. Oh, it was nice. an
0: awesome trip. Oh excellent, excellent. Well that's awesome. That's awesome. It, I I love how like cost efficient that trip sounds. Like it sounds like you guys were able to just go and genuinely enjoy vacation. Um without having to break the bank. So why are you staying in an Airbnb at the moment?
1: Um, Well, the start date for my apartment didn't plan out um, exactly. Yeah, so um, we basically signed the lease, and um, the only start date that was available um, had to have been Mm a few days and weeks after Kayla's job. So that's, that's the main reason.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, you seem to be a quite avid user of Airbnb. Have you ever had any like uh, bad experiences? Have you ever stayed in a in a crackhead in a crack house or something like that?
1: Actually, so I actually did. I do use Airbnb a lot. Actually, I, I after college, I spent like two years of living in Airbnbs because I don't mm-hmm. want to like have to commit to a lease. Did have one one crackhead experience. Uh, so this was in <laughs> Sacramento, California.
0: It's like all um, bad experiences. I was saying like all bad experiences are now universally known as crackhead experiences. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so this happened like back in COVID, right? So like March 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the time, my landlord at the time kicked me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, um, I, I had signed an unofficial lease with him. Uh, not unofficial. It was an official lease, but this was not through Airbnb. It was just like some guy I found on Facebook, and uh, basically this guy he knocks on my door like uh, you know 10 p.m. Uh, he's also the owner of the house, and it's like yo like you know there's like some some water spots in the bathroom you didn't clean, and I'm like bro are you serious right now? And, like first of all it's not even water that bad. Spot. Yeah like 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 after the shower right until it's like oh, 10 my p.m. knocking on my door. You know, like uh, like fuck off. Um and then I confront him I confront him about about it the day after and that's when we got into this heated argument and then like he's just like you know, yelling at me and I'm yelling back at him and uh yeah, eventually he's like, you know, yeah, I get out of my house. I'm like, dude, do you think I wanna stay here? Of course not. So I pack my stuff up and go to this Airbnb uh and that wasn't even the bad experience so like in area not Airbnb in particular it turns out like i've um uh, you know i booked this place it was like a house for about uh 2 or 3 months um uh, turns out in one of these rooms there's this guy you know he's like basically drinking himself to sleep like every single night right mm-hmm. um so one day like in the living room he just goes like bro like can you can you just like you know i'm not a bad guy he's like super drunk he's out of it he's like hey can you like give me a ride somewhere and i'm like nah man and at at this point in my life you know i'm I'm working at amazon you know in their operations part of the business i'm putting in like Mm -hmm. 12 hours a day at work i just come home he's like nah man i'm pretty pretty tired and it seemed really really sketchy the way he asked Um, and then like, and then, you know, this is like a five minute moment. I'm trying to like, just like dodge his questions a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then he tells me like, Hey man, like, you know, I'm a good guy. Like, even though I've been to prison before, um,
0: (laughs) what a, what what a great way to convince somebody that you're a good guy. Hey man, even though I am a registered convict, I'm a good guy, man. You can trust me. You can trust me. I might be blackout drunk right now. I might not remember asking you for help but i'm a good guy you
1: can trust me for sure <laughs> part, part of this he was trying i think it was trying to intimidate me a little bit because it was like then he told me why he went to prison and he was like yeah you know um uh i was convicted for having a weapon but i promise i don't have one right now with me and he's like he's giving me this look almost as if, if i don't give him this ride he's about to pull something out i'm like holy Jesus shit christ yeah so I still dodge it regardless. I go in my room and you know, go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I, I actually get so scared the next day I go to Home Depot and oh, buy no. buy one of these, like, pocket knives just in case I need it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But turns out, like, this guy, he eventually gets kicked out because he doesn't pay, like, his, he doesn't extend his stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, like, a few days after, he, like, knocks on my window, Uh because he's drunk again and needs a place to stay. Um, I eventually ended up calling the police and stuff. Uh, no one got hurt or anything, but that was just a weird, uh, probably the weirdest experience on Airbnb, but 95% of the time. So it's been a good, it's been a good time.
0: Wow. Man, that's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I feel like, um, I mean, I'm definitely not the first person to make this comment, but, uh, looking at things like Airbnb and even like Uber, like that's like kind of like our generation's version of like hitchhiking, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm sure like back in the sixties when people were like hitchhiking a whole bunch, uh, they, I guess part of, part of the fun of doing that was that, you know, it was like a box of chocolates, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes you'd end up with a psychopath and sometimes, uh, things might end up going all right. So, um, yeah, I guess maybe that's part of the charm of Airbnb, too, sometimes. And so I, I'm guessing, what did you do? You left a bad review?
1: No, I, I, didn't, I didn't end up doing that. Because, like, I mean, the host was super nice, you know. She gave me, mm-hmm. uh, she took care of me and, like, tended to stay just month over month. Uh, so I liked her a lot, so I didn't end up doing that. Uh, but, uh, and also, I didn't see the point in doing that either. I mean, it was just a small mm. pop and shop, um house, so. Uh, no I don't think I ended up doing that I ended up staying at the place for three months and he moved the guy moved out (laughs) after like two weeks so it was like a more of a partial experience more than anything
0: oh yeah oh yeah yeah man I mean housing is is pretty crazy I think it's it's crazy from the side of people who are like in your shoes who are trying to find a place to stay and trying to have good you know living neighbors and things like that and it's you know, equally crazy and a bit of a risk from the perspective of people who are hosting too, right? Uh, Mm. There's so many, uh, you know, landlords uh, that, you know, if they don't necessarily know the tenants moving in, Mm -hmm. they will take like every single precaution and they'll do, you know, some of that asshole type horse cockery that you were uh, referring to earlier with uh, getting pissed at you for the water stains and things like that. Oh, my goodness, especially with student housing, like each one of these things is like a scam. And uh, Mm -hmm. unless you actually know the landlords beforehand, uh, it can be quite tough uh, to, um, you know, find yourself in either A, a cheap living situation or B, a safe living situation. So, uh, yeah, it always feels like somebody's out to get you with these things. But I think, um, I mean, like I said before, maybe that's the fun of it. You know, maybe that's the appeal
1: yeah i mean i guess what triggered me about this uh this guy this uh, other landlord was like because like it was at least in the state of california one lesson i learned from that experience is like in the state of california it's actually illegal to do that you can't you can't like tell when you need to give a notice right you need to give a written notice for moving out i mean i don't remember i think it's like 14 days at least 30 days 60 days i don't know but you can't just like knock on someone's door and the next year tell them to get the fuck out you know uh, yeah. the laws may be different if like you're living with them but even then right i i think what he right. what he did was illegal, and then also he threatened to throw my stuff out which is also illegal in, in california right uh and at the time i didn't know that you know because uh it was like my first time living outside of texas and first time kind of moving out after of college um uh, mm-hmm. so i naively just like le- i mean i would have left either way uh, and I don't know if I would have taken legal action either. So, yeah, I guess there's not much you can do in that situation, except for letting the guy know at that time that, hey, what you're doing ain't, ain't legal. But uh, mm-hmm. just for – and I, ever, ever since then, I've I've looked up the tenant rights in every state I've been in. Mm-hmm. So that way, the case, this does happen.
0: Definitely a smart move.
1: move. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure dude. For sure. All
1: right. to so on?
0: yeah, you said your um your cousin was graduating. Is she did yeah. she go to uh U T Austin?
1: Yeah she did man. She uh she's yeah. was doing her masters.
0: Um uh, her masters? Oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, very it was crazy. good,
1: man. It was good. It was like a small little celebration on the on nice. the rooftop.
0: Yeah. Nice, nice. Very, very cool.
1: Yep, bro. This was this was an amazing episode 3 Mm-hmm. Uh well what are you gonna what are you gonna title this one?
0: Uh I'm not too sure. I'm not too Muslim, sure.
1: Muslim association, simplicity leaving uh, living and <laughs> uh, house prices.
0: House prices. Yeah, yeah. Everything everything we stress about on a day to day basis. All the good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was wild. Um, maybe before we close this out, I'll, I'll, I'll speak a little bit to what happened with our episode two. Um, yeah. so technically this is our, our third time recording. We're recording episode three in a sense. Um, and, uh, when we had recorded episode two, uh, like we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, uh, we asked Chat GPT, Hey, you know, how do we put together a podcast? And it recommended Zencaster. So we started to use Zencaster and mm-hmm. uh, we were using, I believe, your account. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Zencaster only lets you record for two hours for free and, uh, you know, it turns out yeah. and, uh, we had maxed out that two hours and so it wouldn't give us access to the files for episode two. Um, and so now we're in a situation where, because we couldn't, uh, think of a better alternative quickly enough, uh, we are recording episode three, uh, with my Zencaster account. So we'll see what happens, uh, with respect to episode four. Uh, but hopefully we can find a better alternative and document the process a little bit along the way. Uh, but for sure. I mean, dude, uh, this was a good episode. Um, I enjoyed, uh, speaking with you about, uh, all the different things, uh, that we deal with, all the, uh, sorts of crackhead issues, um, that come up and, and your insights with respect to Costa Rica and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, this has been episode three. Uh, I guess we're signing out. Peace. Peace, peace, peace.
1: How did you pull all that up? ChatGPT did.